1: Razorback Nation, welcome to this episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, make sure you hit the subscribe button and leave us a review while you're listening on your Apple device. You can also catch us on Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and any popular podcast platform. You can also catch the Hog Talk daily, following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Discord, and our website, thehogpen.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hog Talk.
0: yo welcome everybody to episode 35 of the hog talk podcast i am the friday host ty hudson from the pig trail network youtube channel with me today is our kick-ass producer mr porter hayes how you doing porter having a good week doing
2: yes sir yeah doing very good man uh got to go watch some amazing ladyback action last night and got to meet up with coach neighbors and and the team so that was that's always a good experience uh ran into a little bit of uh, blowing snow on the way back from
0: the game yeah. so yeah it was it was coming down in Fayetteville there for a little bit I had to stop to put some gas in my tank and it was it was uh I kind of came out of nowhere for me I didn't even know snow was in the forecast and I called my wife and I was like you won't believe it it's snowing in Fayetteville and she's like yeah it's been in the forecast all week what are you doing <laughs> So it caught me by surprise, but you got home safe, obviously. So it, yeah, it,
2: lucky it it wasn't sticking. It was just it, it's it's a weird how the when the weather guy says the Bobby Hopper Tunnel north or south, it's like it stopped snowing once I got south of the tunnel. So I don't know if there's a weather barrier there at the <laughs> tunnel, but it definitely has a factor on whether it's snowing or not.
0: Life is different on the other side of the tunnel. I think that's what it is. It's it, part it's, of being on the south side. Is that the transfer portal? Is that where everyone that's goes? That's the, yes. From yes. the football program after the season's over with and what we saw last year, that's where it all happens. It's that, that gum tunnel. Um, but we are, of course, as always, powered by the Yellow Jacket Drive-In. Uh, today on this episode, we typically try to keep them short. We, we try to keep the Friday show under 45 minutes. Obviously, last week, Porter and I, especially Porter, we had a lot to get off our chest. Uh, this week, you know what? I, you and I both went to that women's game last night, and that's where we're going to start. And then we'll we'll transition to football, if, if that's what they call it in Fayetteville these days. We'll transition to that. But first, let's talk about that women's game. Uh, Porter, the Razorbacks, the Ladybacks, they won. Uh, really, it, to me, it felt like they controlled the tempo. I want to say like 60% of that game against Oklahoma City, the Stars um, – and I felt like they controlled the tempo. They, they they got off to a slow start, but then they bounced back. But I wanted to get your take on 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 what you saw last night.
2: Yeah, like you said, I mean it was a slow start. It, it, it was like a fine tune, you know. They're just working on some things, you know, almost like a it's like a run through, but yet full speed and against a very good opponent. I mean, this Oklahoma mm-hmm. City team, to some, might think it was a slouch, and we even thought at the beginning it was going to be a blowout, we did. but. But, uh, you know, Oklahoma City's coming off a 31-5 and finish with a NAIA run, national runner-up, and they are picked to be the favorite this year. I mean, they had two bigs that was inside, and they both had 17 points apiece. I mean, and that's what kept them in in the game because that allowed them to get some three-point shots off. And so, I mean, they hung with them. It was 40-37 at, at halftime. And like like you said, you know, they they, they held the tempo, but it's just like they – they couldn't seem to pull away until like the fourth quarter. But, you know, um, Amber Ramirez, she had a huge third quarter with 12 points, 12 of her 15 points in the third quarter. And that's really what started to, to separate the game. And of course, Chelsea Dungey, oh my gosh, she is all, <laughs> all that is advertised. I mean, yeah. she could have easily drop 50 if she would have stayed in the game the whole time. But I mean, what she did play, you know, she had 31 points, nine of 13 shooting and six of nine from the three point line. She is a threat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She was, she was something else. And as I was sitting there trying to take notes, by the way, I, I, we talked about this before. This was our very first, the hog talk in sports and culture. We partnered up. We got to go to this game as a part of the media. That's a first for both of us. And before we keep going here, I just want to say a special shout out to everybody at the university that helped make this help make this possible. Mike Neighbors, we got to meet him. What an outstanding guy! I mean, we're going to be honest here about what we see, but I will tell you, uh, you know, as far as what's on the court, we'll be honest. But Mike is is an absolutely just awesome guy. We've obviously we've had him here on the show before, uh, but uh, that was uh, that was awesome. That's an experience. I, I knew eventually we would get there, but I didn't expect it to be this quick and uh the hog talk man we're we're killing it out here, and it's really cool to see the people recognize that, but Chelsea Dungie getting back to her, I could not take my eyes off of thirty three the entire game she she logged thirty almost thirty six minutes right at about thirty five minutes, and uh she was nine of thirteen uh would you say what what was it thirty one points yeah thirty one points I think at one point we looked at each other. There wasn't much time left, and they kept her in the game, and she was at twenty nine. It's pretty obvious they wanted to get her above that thirty point mark. I, I you know, confidence is everything. I completely get it. Um, what else can you tell me about about Chelsea? What what is it about her that makes her so special? I mean, because she is the rest of this team. They've got, I think they've got solid depth. I think they've got some pretty good talent here. But there's something about Chelsea that just kind of separates her from the rest of the pack. What do you think it is that you've seen? I,
2: I think she's just totally grasped that leadership role. I mean, you know, last year that that SEC tournament run where she basically and no offense to the other other teammates, but she she picked that team, put it on her back and they went to the finals of that SEC tournament. And, and like we had talked about uh, on last week's episode about the uh, the, the tournament, you know, with them getting hosed by Tennessee, they they could have went to the NCAA tournament last year if it wasn't for Tennessee getting in but Should've. she just Should've. she takes total command whether it's on the ball down the post passing on defense I mean she had some good steals and a couple of good I mean she was just all over the court last night and I think that tenacity and just her composure you know she she would get excited on some good good like when she had this crossover step back three and just you know, when, you're, when a shooter's feeling it, they're feeling it. And that last night was definitely definitely that, that game for her.
0: I don't want to take anything away from the other players. Uh, Amber Ramirez, she had 15 points um, and, uh, with an assist, and, and I thought she played pretty good. She hustled. Now, I'll say this to every one of those girls. Uh, they hustled up and down that court. I've seen games where the men's, women's, I've seen games where it's just kind of, I had a coach that would call it lollygagging. You ever heard, you ever heard that you, oh, yeah. too much, too much lollygagging, you know, where half they're just kind of half-assing up and down the court. I didn't see that from Mike neighbors girls. I'm sure Mike has a different take on that, <laughs> but I thought they did a good job of getting up and down the court. Look, um, they've got talent. They've got depth. They've got, especially alongside Dungy. They have, they have the, 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 the I think what it takes to be competitive in the sec this year, they were last year and, and I think they got cheated. I think they should have been in the tournament a year ago. Um, and and, and th- this is a special group. Now, let's be clear too on something. There, this is the first time since when that they were in the preseason polls. Two thousand three,
2: two. Was it two? Yeah, two thousand two. They were they were ranked. I believe. Okay. I believe it, it's been a while. Yeah. Um. I mean preseason. I don't know when the last time they were ranked during the 20, season.
0: Twenty. I. They were talking about that today. I think it was twenty. Oh, gosh. I'm going to feed wrong information. It was within the last six, six or seven 2014? years. 2014? I think it was. I think it was 2014. 2013 or 2014. But regardless, it's been too long, um, and they're, they're coming around. Funny fact, really quick, a little side note, Christy Smith, former Razorback, I mean, that, she was a, a – I believe she was an a All-American. All she was my substitute teacher in sixth grade at Jefferson Elementary in Fayetteville. I still remember that to this day because we all we wanted to do is talk about her, you know, her playing time and all that at the university and how she was the star because she everyone knew who she was and we we didn't know we were getting her as a sub and then she comes in everybody in the classroom knew who she was. That's that's how big Razorback Lady Razorback basketball was in the day. That's that's how big it was. Even the kids knew who who these who these ladies were. You know, we had Corliss who came to our school uh, like a couple of years before that. And that was really neat. And then to have her to come in, that was really special. But that's a pretty cool thing I'd like to share there. But that's where I think they can get back to. They can get back to that to that to being respectable and and people knowing knowing what's going on with the Lady Razorbacks. I I'm with you. I think the only the only issue that I saw last night was the underneath, the inside the paint. I think they're gonna struggle a little bit. Um, I think that's going to be their kryptonite. Unless maybe – it's very possible that Oklahoma City – and they did have some big girls down below. They had girls that could that could play inside. But uh, I like the hustle, the tenacity, and they're aggressive. I mean, the, the Lady Razorbacks were just aggressive. They, they weren't afraid. They turned the ball over a little bit, especially there in the beginning of the second half. Uh, I think they turned it over, I want to say, two of their first four possessions. They turned it over, but uh, it was still – Yeah, yeah, Tolfrey was
2: having a little bit of a problem not walking. I mean, she probably had, I want to say three, three traveling calls. I mean, they just, just, there was just a lot of, I think if the only thing we can knock other than that inside presence was just the the careless turnovers, you know, Mm -hmm. the walking and the traveling. And uh, another thing is like during the game, I didn't really have to see where neighbors was having to get on them. Like, I mean, he, they went out there with their tempo and they just, took control of the game i mean he was coaching them up but you know a lot of a lot of coaches you got to sit there and, and give them a jolt of energy
0: mm-hmm. and he he was rarely doing that last night yeah he uh again it was really cool it was really cool to, to get a chance to talk to him not only when he was talking to the rest of the media but when he when he was uh you know he didn't it wasn't like we were, we were just a couple of nobodies. I mean, we were, really, in the grand scheme of things. He still came up and talked to us. That was really cool. He's a good guy. We've had him again. We've had him on the show, so that wasn't uh, foreign to us. The Lady Razorbacks, that ends their exhibition portion of the season. Next up, November 8th, they're going to take on New Orleans at 10.30 a.m. It's an elementary day. So if you're in the area, your kids, your kids I think, get a chance to go. I don't know if that's just for, like, the, like Fayetteville or if that's the surrounding – you know, just the, the the region. I'm not really sure. When we get more news on that, some more information we'll share it. But again, that's on November eighth. And then November eleventh they, they they uh played McNeese State, McNeese State at seven PM. How do you pronounce that? It's McNeese. 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 It's like a it's like almost sounds would, like a McDonald's menu. I was gonna say it sounds like something <laughs> off the McDonald's menu yep. I mean, I've seen that name before around I think we've played them in other sports before but they open they up always
2: seem to get like the men they're one of them men's programs that always seems to find the dance every like six seven eight years you know yeah that that's like one of them Kent states or whatever but yeah. but before we we move on let's kind of back up because we we before the game we had some huge news come out of the oh, recruiting, the recruiting world, and yeah. I think this is one of the biggest recruiting other than Chelsea Dungy to come out since uh, Mike Neighbors, and they had five-star Atlanta Eaton uh, mm-hmm. commit right before the game. a matter of fact, as I was driving up to Fayetteville, uh, she had posted that she had committed to Arkansas, and she's the number two-rated player in the state. Committed to the Razorbacks, and from what I have seen, she can ball.
0: Mm-hmm. She's she's number two in the state. She's a five star, highly, obviously, highly sought after. I forgot who the finalists were, who the other schools were, but um, yeah, that was going to be my last portion before before we uh, before we finish off the women here. That sounded brutal. That sounded dark. January second, Texas A and M is when Arkansas opens up conference play. At eight P.M. that'll be on SEC Network Plus. Uh, or you can go to the game. It's in Fayetteville. So that's when they open up conference play. Yeah, that was gonna be the next thing I was gonna talk about. The very last thing before we moved on was the recruiting. My neighbors is killing it in recruiting. It's good to see that it's not just the men, that's the women too, uh getting it done in the recruiting world. So
2: yeah, right. just a little bit of a little bit of a secretive kind of talk. You know, that's not the last from what from what I heard last night at the game. That will not be the last of these uh Mm -hmm. this the recruiting and not just the 2020 class but the 21 and the 22 class so stay tuned for what mike neighbors is doing with the lady razorbacks and the recruiting it's definitely not the last uh big in-state prospect we'll get
0: it's special that's when you know i mean it's just special it seems like years before mike you didn't really feel that good even on the in-state girls uh or or the big regional the big time regional girls you just never felt that way um uh, about what was going on there with recruiting, and and now it's like the complete opposite, and that 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 tells you, man, that's a culture shock. That's something, that that's all about the culture of what's going on with the program, and it's changed. And again, we cannot brag enough on what Mike Neighbors has done. Took over a, a, a struggling program, and he's laid an unbelievable foundation. We're going to see if he can build on top of that. Um. So, all right, I think that's all the women's. I guess we got to. we've got to venture into the dark alley that is do we have to uh i guess i guess people want to hear us complain i'm gonna try and keep it positive i'm gonna try and not be as negative here okay i'm gonna i'm gonna put on a face okay and just let's just pretend like all is okay um the good news here playing mississippi state in fayetteville is that mississippi state is also really bad this is the good news they're riding a four-game losing streak. Uh, they did play. I watched them play Kansas State, and, and that was actually a pretty competitive game for a little bit. Uh, and then obviously K State ended up winning that game, thirty-one to twenty-four. Uh, their wins this year include Louisiana Lafayette, uh, Southern Miss, and Kentucky. They do have a conference win, but other than that, they've lost uh, to Auburn on the road, at Tennessee, on the road, obviously, to LSU, 36-13. to 13. The fact that that LSU game wasn't like 59-3 to 3 is pretty astounding because LSU and Joseph Burrow are absolutely killing it. So, But it's still, I mean, 36-13. There's no way to make that look sexy. And then on the road against AM, they lost by 19, 49-30. So this will be a 3 p.m. game on the SEC Network. Obviously, again, it's in Fayetteville. If you happen to go to the game, well, just bring a coat and I don't know, maybe well, I'm not going to condone sneaking in alcohol, but you're going to probably need to load up before you go into into the stadium cuz it's going to be brutal uh with the weather and how bad this football game's going to be for it's going to be an ugly game. So a real quick rundown on on what Mississippi State is. They are 109th or 106th in the country in passing offense at 192. They can run the ball a little bit. They're top 50 that gives me some concern because it's not that hard to set the outside edge against Arkansas. They they average 186 on the ground and uh, 25 points a game. They give up, and this has been their their issue. They give up about 31 points a game. All right, so I don't even know where to begin. Who do you think
2: is going to be the quarterback? Who do you that, let, let's start with that? Who do you think <laughs> should be the quarterback? I mean, we're because everybody's this kind of been the hot topic of mm-hmm. do they. Do they stay with either Hicks or do they start with John Steven Jones and then eventually bring in K J. What what are your thoughts on that part?
0: This is This is one of those weeks where it's like you you're playing a horrific team. You can play your freshman and not worry about burning their red shirt. That's obviously something the staff worries about and I understand that. I do. I can't fault the staff for you know, trying to keep up with what's going on and what's going to happen after the year, making sure you have guys prepared before they hit the field and all that. I get it. Um, but it's stupid that John Stevens their, – their handling of the quarterback situation two years in a row now is just atrocious. It's bad. In my opinion, you should – forget it. Just put John Steven put him in the game. Let him start. Let him play. Let him get a half. Let's see what he can do if he provides the uh, the spark. I don't see what the harm is at this point. Um, then if, if for those of you who want KJ, I don't know that you see him this week. God only knows what's going to happen this week. And that's what makes it so tough too, Porter, is like they are going to rotate some more freshmen in, I think, f- throughout from from here on. I just don't know what you're going to see – from both sides of the ball, when that happens, and I don't know how much of, of these freshmen you're going to see. I, I really wonder if they're going to if they're going to play freshmen just to keep people happy and to keep the players happy, because you know there's all these rumors about these guys transferring. I, I'm going to say they probably trot. I'm going to say they probably trot Hicks out there because I guess the staff thinks he gives them the best chances to win this ball game. Let's you and I know that's probably not the case. Or maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe John Stephen is that bad. That's why he never beat out Starkle for the backup job. But I feel like that's what they do. What about you? What do you think?
2: I just – I think you – and I, everything, every prediction or everything I've said about when it comes to the quarterback, who's going to play, who's going to start. <laughs> I've been wrong all year. Uh, I, I was one at the first year, oh, it's going to be Starkle. Starkle's the guy. Yeah. Then he – then they start Hicks. He comes – I mean, so it's, it's the point where a lot of people – and I've heard a couple of media, you know, we talked about this last week about being scared about throwing a freshman out there. But mm-hmm. to me, I mean – John Stephen Jones has proved that he can at least move the ball against a top rank SEC defense. Mm-hmm. You know, how much he did, I mean, that's neither here nor there. He could prove that he could move the ball. And we have, are in eight games now, and you, we're in the same situation was last, last year. Yep. You had two quarterbacks, and you didn't know what you was going to get out of either one of them. Nope. So why not, on that aspect alone, why not let him get the start? I mean, he ain't going to do better than – what the last two have done, going three and four and five interceptions, you know, they've only thrown – Starkle and Hicks have only thrown nine touchdown passes this year. Let that sink in. <laughs> eight games. And they've thrown more interceptions than touchdown passes in two games compared to the eight where they have nine touchdown passes.
0: Yeah, You have – I mean –
2: I can't say you have to because they probably won't, but I mean that's to me that is the most logical thing to do is just to he's not gonna do any worse than than what Hicks or Starkle has has done starting. Yeah. So why not?
0: Combined with Starkle and Hicks, you have eleven interceptions. And then um <laughs> Sam Loy has that other <laughs> Punter has the other pick, so the team accounts for 12. I can't help but laugh because, you know, yeah. we know what happened on that. Well, at face. least Baker Mayfield,
2: you know, switching to NFL just right quick, at least Baker Mayfield got the heat off of Arkansas with his pitch, whatever it was, and interception. Yeah. So they're, they're yeah. not talking about Arkansas, but Joe Platt did say that uh, he thinks Arkansas is the worst college football team in America. And you had your buddy Paul Feinbaum even come on and say that Max Kellerman could throw and score with Alabama against Arkansas. He's not so, my buddy. I don't, I, so, I well, I, you know I, I, SEC buddy. What, you know, is SEC guy. But, you know, just coming on there, I mean, there's been a lot of shade thrown at Arkansas. Oh, and yeah. It's, it, it's sad that they're not talking about Vanderbilt no more. Arkansas is the new Vanderbilt.
0: Oh, I was going to say, it's absolutely deserved. I mean, it, it, oh, yeah, it falls back on, on, on this head coach and, uh, and this staff and being unprepared week in and week out. I, 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 don't know, I don't know how you're this many games in at Arkansas. You still have a nightmare situation going on at the quarterback position, which makes you wonder, will they ever, assuming they get a third year, assuming this i don't know that the entire staff comes back i definitely think they don't but i if if you're on that if you're on board with chad Morse coming back next year and and ruskin and zach actually and i mentioned them quite a bit because they're really the only local radio that i get to listen to around here outside the morning rush and they brought up a really good point they wanted to hear from the people that OK, give us a reason why year three and Ruskin Ruskin's biggest point was the quarterback position. It's like, look, you, you've had X amount of games and the quarterback situation is still a nightmare along with all the other problems that this team has. It's not like it's just one side of the ball. It's definitely on both sides of the ball, but it's it starts and ends with what's going on in the line of scrimmage. And it also it, it, it's what's going on with the with the quarterbacks and somehow Ben Hicks, uh, who's who's thrown the ball less He's had 119 attempts but he's been sacked 10 times this year. Compare that to Nick Starkle at 169 attempts, he's been sacked 3 times this year. You know, John Stevens was sacked. So there's these th- the all three of these quarterbacks have such different styles of play. You know, Hicks is that conservative, supposed to be mistake-free and I guess overall he has been, two touchdowns, one pick. Um isn't you know, that's not like seven touchdowns, ten picks, like to Nick Starkle's style. And then you got Starkle with the big arm. Hicks the, the the supposed supposed more accurate underneath thrower and then John Stevens who's the RPO guy. And then you've got KJ on the sidelines. Like, let's figure this thing out. And they still have it. The line of scrimmage is still I, I will say I think overall there's been slight little pieces of improvement along the line of scrimmage, but they're still they're still bad up there. Um, the good news is, again, against Mississippi State, you've got you do have Raheem Boyd, who's who's five and a half yards a carry on the year, five touchdowns. We'll see if he comes back. Shino O'Grady, who's your highest NFL talent, he's he's as far as I know fully healthy. Um, something I wanted to touch on: freshmen were getting rota- were getting a chance to run with the ones this week. Uh, Hudson Henry, everyone's been asking about him. Amante Spivey, KJ Jefferson. Uh, Nikki Chavanel actually posted. A, I, th- I guess it was a video. I didn't actually get a chance to see it, but I guess it's film of of those guys playing. Uh, so that's the good news for those of you who've been wondering what's going on with Henry. You might actually get to see him this weekend alongside KJ and uh, Monte Spivey. So <laughs> let's start with the uh, with the spread. It's currently seven and a half. Mississippi State favorite at seven and a half. And I ask this every single week. Uh, you know my position on it. Where are you at this week? Do they cover? Do the Razorbacks cover the spread?
2: Well, I'm going to go with the same thing I've said for the past couple of weeks. And it's until they prove me wrong, uh, you can't. I mean, even if it is against Mississippi State, I mean, we could sit here and say Mississippi State's one and four and it, but when we said the same thing against Kentucky, how are they going to beat us with a guy, rec- receiver who's converted qu- quarterback? Said the same thing against San Jose State. How are we gonna let this team from out west come and, and, and beat us? I mean, they almost lost against Portland State. So uh, until they turn things around, which I mean, I know it, it, it's sad, and I feel for the football players because all's not lost on the players. Because I mean, you've seen that hustle play by. Was it Burks who had that chase down? You know, I mean, oh, it, it got, you know, I yeah. mean, it's, it was effort. So <laughs> at least. They're not just because most people would have stopped running 30 yard line. So uh, there's still some fight in some of these guys. So, you know, yeah. that shows you that the team is still hungry and wanting to win. So, I mean, that's the one plus you could say about it. So you never know. They might bring in John Stephen Jones. He starts and it gives them that spark. And, you know, the, the, the team is, is tired of losing and they're playing against a team that they could actually beat. Because, I mean, it is plausible. And we'll just see what happens. But no, and, and, until they, uh, until they prove me otherwise, I'm gonna have to keep on. I mean, I believe that they still want to fight. But as in, win and covering, and, and it's seven and a half, right? Seven and a half points. Yeah. I mean, maybe if it was a thirteen or fourteen point spread, maybe. But seven and a half, I, I, I'm going to go with Mississippi State covering and and, and winning yeah. outright on that.
0: Yeah, I, I would too. And I'm not going to pick them to cover the spread. And, and as of right now, Arkansas is favored to beat San – or excuse me. <laughs> yeah, they were picked to cover or to, to beat San Jose State. And we saw that happen. Western Kentucky, they are favored right now. I think the uh, the football power index from ESPN, I think they have Arkansas favored at like 60%. Um, I, I just – right now, as it stands, unless this week is what is going to – you know could change our minds, there's the possibility of that. Um, even if this is a close loss because it's such a low spread and, and it's uh, the over-unders at 58 and a half right now. Um, if they, even if they play a ball game and still barely lose I'm I'm still going to have a hard time. It's win or bust for me. If you win, maybe that kind of, maybe that alters your opinion a little bit about what's happening, but I still don't know that that's, you know, And that was asked on, I think it was either our Discord or maybe it was on Twitter. Someone somewhere on social media had asked if, if they find a way to go 4-8, and eight, does it change your opinion of Chad Morris and does it get him back for year three? And that's kind of where I wanted to end on. That's kind of where, where I want to uh, end the podcast on and, and make that our last little bit here on, on covering the game. What about that? If they find a way to get past Mississippi State, you would have to assume they would they would have to get have to be able to get past Western Kentucky. I know it's not safe to assume anything with this ball club, but what about that, Porter? If these guys find a way to get past Mississippi State and Western Kentucky, does that change your mind? And does that bring Chad Morris back for year three?
2: Yeah, I, I think it brings him back, of course, because one, it gives them that SEC win. It gives them four wins. I mean and but I don't I think that some changes needs to be made in his staff. I've said this for like a month now, you know, with with him changing his coordinator. So, I mean, yes, I mean, that's all that's eluding him right now is, is that SEC win. And if he happens because nobody expects them, it's not like they're coming into an 0 and 20 Vanderbilt team and they beat them. Well, you're expected to, to beat them. They're not expecting them to win this game or the Missouri game. So if they find a way to win either one of those games and, of course, you know, the Western Kentucky, which Western Kentucky lost last week, so yeah. they're not going to have that steamrolling confidence coming into that Arkansas game like we, we thought. You know, Ty Story's going to come in undefeated, and but he's still going to have a chip on his shoulder, but that momentum's not going to be as much as if they come in on a four- or five-game winning streak. But, yes, it, I, and I think even if they don't win an SEC game and they win that Western Kentucky game, I think Chad Morris comes back for a third year. Should he? That's, that's not my decision, but <laughs> it, it, it's one of them things that I really think that the only thing that would keep him from coming back next year is if they just lost the rest of the games of the season. and they I mean, that's including the Western Kentucky game. But if they win one of these games and then the Western Kentucky game. Yeah. I I, I see that that would be his, his saving grace for, for another year.
0: Yeah. I, I didn't respond again. I forgot where I even read that, but someone had asked us about that and it would change my opinion. It would have to, it have to change your opinion to some degree because you got that SEC win and you beat a team that everybody was talking about with Ty story and all the, all the drama and the, the luggage that comes along with that and you, you got past them and you found a way to go four and eight. The question is how good is it for Arkansas's health to keep Chad Morris around? If that's your bragging point, you know, Oh, wow. We beat, you know, we lost to San Jose state because these losses or these wins wouldn't erase what happened with San Jose state. It wouldn't erase. I don't think what happened when you combine that game in Kentucky and then how poorly you played against Portland state, but it would change my opinion and uh, long term i don't know what that yet obviously i think it would bring him back for year 3 i don't know if that's good for arkansas's long term health uh, we've seen too much uh, too too many coaching errors too many coaching mistakes the being unprepared and it doesn't seem like these guys are coached up to go out and win for their for their state for their for their program and i'm sure they'll tell you different I'm sure one of them will come across this, or if, if we were to say this on social media, well, they'd come back at us with, oh, we have all the pride and whatever, and we play hard. It's not that. It's just whether or not you're, you're truly – are you really bought in? Are these players truly brought in? I know there's hustle, and I'm with you on that. I think there's some guys on this team, not maybe not all of them, but there are definitely some guys that have hustle in them and want to play and want to get after it. But uh, overall, you just wonder at this point, you just wonder what the hell you're going to see on the field. And, and you wonder what the product's going to look like this week. And we have an idea that's probably going to be pretty bad. It, it's not going to be good. Um, and I think this is going to be an ugly, ugly game. There is an opportunity here because of how bad Mississippi State is as a program. Uh, they are favored. Mississippi State's favored at 74%. Arkansas is obviously at 25% or about 26%. Um, Schrader their quarterback. This is not a guy that should look like an all-star. I just have a feeling he probably will. (laughs) 75 of 136 for 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns, five picks. But, you know, you could probably tack on some extra yardage in this one for him. Uh, He's going to be able to bolster his confidence after this one, unless, you know, they, they get after it this week. If the Razorbacks can find a way to completely, I don't know, do something you haven't done this year. But, uh, I think that's going to do it. I, I again, I'm not obviously picking them to cover the spread. Porter's not. Uh, I'm. I don't know if I even want to give a prediction. I. I think it's going to be probably one of those twenty-five to fourteen or twenty-five to ten kind of games. Is what it, what it feels like to me. Do you want to make a prediction, Porter? Do you want to put a score out there? Hmm. Man. Uh. Let Let's
2: go. Since because they have good. They're able to run the ball. I will say thirty-five seventeen. Okay,
0: all right, that's a good one. I, I could see that happening. All right, well that's gonna that's gonna do it. Uh, we want to say thank you again. We're powered by the Yellow Jacket Drive In. Jacob should be back uh, this Sunday when we record. So the Monday show he should be back and and. Uh, yeah, we look forward to covering more women's content as well as the basketball season starts to begin for both men and women's. We're going to try and cover them as much as we can and bring you guys the latest. Porter actually did write an article that's up on our website. If you guys want to go check that out, um, you want to you want to give them the info on that. Porter.
2: Yeah, it's just the it's a recap of the uh, Oklahoma City exhibition game. It's on sports and culture. Uh, sports Media, and it's on the Hog Talk podcast uh, Twitter page. It's on the Hog Pen website, and it's on my Twitter feed at N A R.
0: There you go. Bada bing, bada boom. And right on cue is my neighbor's dog, everybody. <laughs> Thank got it happened now and not the beginning. He's, I don't know if you guys can hear that, but he gets pretty loud. So, anyways, that's going to do it. Thanks again. We'll see you guys on the next episode. woo pig.
1: If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So hear me out. It's free. My father-in-law always says, the only thing better than cheap is free. So take advantage of it. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit from your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the podcast platforms out there. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to know to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The Yellow Jacket Drive-In is the hub of downtown Sheridan, Arkansas. They are the home of the Hubcap Cheeseburgers. They'll give you crinkle-cut french fries that will tease your palates. The tastiest shakes in the state at 100 North Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas. They are family-owned, fast service, and the folks of the Yellow Jacket are ready to see you. Call in your order ahead at 870-942-2486.